and welcome to Comic Book Decalogue. I'm Greg Hunter, recording from a Comics Journal satellite lab in Minneapolis, Minnesota. The interview you're about to hear includes 10 questions designed for a combination of modularity and comprehensiveness. The same 10 questions we'll be posing to a different cartoonist with each installment. But about that. This podcast was always going to be a work in progress, and I'll stop short of calling what follows an apology, but please take it at least as an explanation. We've been starting these interviews by asking the guest, what's the first comic you remember reading, as a means of setting the scene? Now, to my dismay, I recently saw a celebrated cartoonist tweet out, to no one in particular, that interviewers should stop asking, what's the first comic you ever read? It's a strange thing, being possibly subtweeted by one of your favorite cartoonists. I even started to sweat, and in an air-conditioned room, for that matter. For a lot of people, that sweat would have become the gasoline on a social media flame war. But that's not how we're going to do it on this podcast. We can do better, and we will do better. So instead, I've slid along to an even better question. You'll hear that for the first time in this episode. Iron sharpens iron as they say, and sweat can be rocket fuel if you make it so. We are building a better comics interview, and I thank you again for your listenership. Yumi Sakugawa is our guest this episode. Yumi's a cartoonist based in Southern California. You may have seen her work at Wonder How To or The Rumpus or her terrific comic You Are a Sacred Space over at Electric Literature. She's also the artist behind the hit book I Think I Am in Friend Love With You and the September premiering at SPX, she has a new comic out, Ikebana. Ikebana tells the story of Cassie, a performance artist embodying a Japanese flower arrangement who drifts away from her art class and into the city toward an unsuspecting public. It's now available for pre-order through Retrofit Press. I can't wait, and in the meantime, please enjoy our interview. Question number one, what's the last comic you finished reading? The last comic I finished reading was actually just an hour ago. Uh, it was, um, I want to say, I hope I'm not getting the title wrong, but um, it was uh, through Youth in Decline, um, the mini anthology Lovers Only Teen Romance Stories by uh, Kathy G. Johnson. Sophie Foster Domino and uh, Mickey Z. It was really, really sweet and really cool. Mm. And uh, question number two, what cartoonist doesn't get enough praise? That's a really good question. You can name more than one if, if it's absolutely necessary. Okay. <laughs> Gosh. Um, I... I'm thinking. <laughs> I really love um, Jen Tong's works. Um, she she does a lot of uh, screen print art, but she also makes these really uh, beautiful comics. Uh, she's based she's based in Brooklyn. I know there are other people. Is there a particular uh, work of Jen's that a reader could easily get a hold of? A jumping off point for her work. Yeah, um, she she did this uh, travel diary comic. I don't remember the title, but uh, 
it involves sheep and mm-hmm. uh, tra- traveling and um, penguins. It, it was <laughs> it's, it was really really awesome. Question number three, uh, quickly building a reputation. Uh, what's the most widely loved comic you can't connect with? Wow, these are these are hard questions. Um, I don't know, maybe maybe Robert Crumb comics. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, uh, as, uh, any reasons beyond the obvious? Yeah, I I just think as um, an Asian American woman, I just I'm just not interested in his subject matter, so mm. I just can't relate. <laughs> That's been, I think, an interesting shift in, even in the last couple of years, Crumb's place in the canon and how well, you know, a change in comics world can, I don't know, accommodate it. If... Right, yeah, yeah, I definitely noticed this seismic shift in mm-hmm. how people are revisiting um, once uh, Comic canons that were placed on such a high pedestal, people revisiting and recontextualizing things through new lenses. That's it's it's really fascinating and interesting that you sort of see these dialogues unfold in real time on uh, Facebook threads mm-hmm. or on Twitter threads. Question number four: You can send one comic back in time to yourself at age fourteen. Maybe it was published. You know, before you were born, maybe it came out last week. Uh, the the time stream permits any any sort of uh, mm-hmm. uh, comic to travel back in that respect. So what what is that comic and why? I have two comics that immediately come to mind for some reason. Um, the first one is um, Mega Hex by Simon, oh, wow. Simon Hanselman. I feel like I was just starting to get into more twisted and really um, fucked up humorous comics at, at that age and I feel like if I read that I would have felt less neurotic about things I mean I feel like I really felt that sort of therapeutic um, relief when I was reading through it mm-hmm. and when I just read it a year ago and maybe it would have helped me even more at 14 I don't I don't know um, the other one that comes to mind is um, a Drunken Dream and Other Stories by Moto Hakio, another uh, fantagraphics book, uh, but translated from Japanese. If you like, again, I, I feel like I really enjoyed reading. Re- I really enjoyed reading it when I read it at the age uh, and what, about what, two years ago. No. But I would have maybe um, appreciated it more, or not appreciated it more, but it would have uh, given me greater impact at fourteen. Sure. <laughs> And what were the formative comics for you at that age? That I was, I, I wasn't really into indie comics at age fourteen. I was, I had just come out of my um, Sailor Moon manga phase, sure. so I was. I think I was just finishing the the original Japanese manga for Sailor Moon at thirteen, fourteen. Question number five: What's a change you would like to see across the comics industry? Um, I think the thing that immediately comes to mind is just more uh, gender and racial diversity, more diversity all around. Mm-hmm. Have you met resistance in I mean, sharing your own work or, or from publishers in that respect? I, I wouldn't say I felt any 
outright discrimination. I, I feel like the indie comics conventions or zine conventions I've been to, they, they've all been very good about um, promoting diversity and being inclusive. So um, I, I wouldn't say I've ever encountered outright discrimination because of my gender or race, but I, I do feel like I'm still aware of the fact that there are audiences out there who are very hungry for more diverse works. Mm -hmm. So um, that, that definitely is something that really pushes me to um, continue making work. Mm -hmm. Question number six, what's the closest you've come to quitting cartooning? Um, I want to say it was, um, I want to say it was sometime in 2010 or in 2011, I, I think. I think I just still had such a hard time drawing and it it was it, it took a very long time I felt like for me to really have a, a style uh, and a voice that I was really comfortable with so I don't remember if there was an exact specific event or a project but I, I just remember that there was this window of time in 2010 or 2011 when I just really hated drawing and felt like I couldn't mm -hmm. draw anything right and I, I do definitely still uh, struggle to this day. Um, I still have to Google image everything that's not a person or a bunny. Um, mm -hmm. <laughs> I feel like I am definitely more comfortable with the writing process than the drawing process. It, it still feels like a skill I'm trying to master but it's definitely a lot easier than it was um, four or five years ago. So. Was there a point where, where you weighed uh, creative prose writing as a possibility? Uh, oh yeah, definitely. Than... Um, it wasn't until um, after college that I really seriously considered uh, making comics oh, no more kidding. as opposed to um, writing or even painting. Um, I, I honestly thought for the longest time that I was going to be a novelist, but um, I didn't want to give up drawing completely, so yeah, I I really thought I was going to be a prose writer. <laughs> was your art artistic education mainly in prose then? No, actually, and the funny thing was I, I actually uh, studied art at UCLA as an undergrad. I, I did mostly paintings and towards the end it became these uh, big abstract paintings. But uh, the, the art that was taught at UCLA, it, it's very conceptual based, so I, I didn't mm -hmm. really learn any uh, specific skills. Um, the curriculum there, they weren't really um, strict about teaching you anatomy or um, very basic drawing skills that you would expect in other um, art classrooms. So. I, I felt like I, I was exposed to a lot of very conceptual things, but I still had to really teach myself how to properly draw. And how how important was sharing your work online to your you know, your career as a cartoon so far? I know I first saw your comics on on various internet mm -hmm. publications. Oh, um, I feel like I, if I didn't have the internet, I wouldn't be anywhere. Um, I, I really did start pretty much everything just by sharing things online for free. And um, it was through a webcomic that I posted online for, for free for everybody to see that really um, 
which was uh, I think I'm in front love with you. It was it was really uh, sharing that comic and uh, having that spread so quickly to so many people that eventually led to my first published book and mm-hmm. really took my um, um, cartoonist career to a whole new height. Had you been uh, making mini comics then as well? I'm curious if I don't know. It was a relief in some respects to be able to just put a price tag on a on a mini comic after sharing your work online, or if those efforts were happening at the same time. They were happening at the same time. Um, I the the web comic for uh, Friend Love that came out in 2012, and I made my first mini comic in 2008, and but it wasn't until 2000. Um, 2010, I want to say that I really started going to zine and comic conventions mm-hmm. and actually selling zines and comics to people in cons. Question number seven is, what's the best advice you've heard about making comics? I wish I remembered who said this, <laughs> but uh, I do remember one comic book artist saying that um, your comic style should be like your handwriting and what he meant by that was that it, it shouldn't be this laborious process finishing every page and every panel. It should, once you have a certain style and rhythm, it, you should be able to sort of pump it out like as though you are just um, writing in your own penmanship on a piece of paper. And I, I feel like that really resonated with me. Um, I, some comic book artists definitely, um, they... They thrive in that sort of tedious, almost mm-hmm. um, sadomasochistic, <laughs> um, time-consuming process. But I think for me, I've always been more drawn to, uh, both for my own style and also in what I like in other cartoonists, is almost um, too loose style that's almost on the verge of falling apart, where it's a little messy, um, not super refined, where you... It, it almost feels unfinished, but that ends up sort of becoming the momentum that carries the narrative. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, and I think for uh, general storytelling, I, I did once have a playwright mentor who just kept emphasizing, um, no matter uh, what you do, what you are writing, just just get it done. And I feel like that very, very straightforward, uh, stupidly simple advice really propelled me in my early years when I just didn't really know my style or my voice or my process. Mm-hmm. Are there tucked away in your closets comics where you, you attempted the different approach, you know, labored over panels that that you ultimately decided weren't indicative of the work you wanted to be making? Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I have this whole box in my parents' house of just piles of computer paper of um, mm-hmm comic layouts that I, I never finished um, and I, I think there is this one story in particular that uh, took place at an amusement park and and I think I was this was this must have been uh, six or seven years ago I, I think I was just like oh, I can't draw a ferris wheel <laughs> don't have the skills for that so I'm gonna file it for as you finish later <laughs> for your archives someday. yeah <laughs> uh, question number eight accepting the, the drawing of, of Ferris wheels. What's the worst decision you've made as a cartoonist? I honestly just wish... I mean, this is... I, I feel like this is such a, a cop-out answer. <laughs> I honestly just wish I, I started making comics sooner. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I, I'm glad I started when I did, but I, yeah, I, I just wish I started sooner. And question number nine, what do your parents think of your work? Um, <laughs> I, I think my parents are cautiously supportive. I, I think they were very surprised that my first book did decently. I don't think they really understand most of my comics. Um, there's definitely also a, a language and cultural barrier because mm -hmm. I'm a I'm second generation Japanese American, and I think uh, for my parents, they are just constantly worried about me. Um, not being able to feed myself or um, have clothes on my back, which which I completely understand. Um, Do you uh, think that would be true irrespective of the medium, or does comics make make a career in the arts seem like an especially risky proposition? If you were writing novels, say, do you think they would be slightly more at ease? No, I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> uh, question number 10, our final question. You've been assigned to write and illustrate Garfield, but you can alter one aspect of the strip. What do you change? I I think I would change Garfield's gender. Mm -hmm. I, I think I would make him a woman. Do you think that would introduce... Uh, well, I, I, won't, I won't speak for you. What, what sort of changes do you think uh, we would see uh, play out in the, the world of Garfield? Well, I, I like the idea... Well, Garfield's just such a jerk, and I, I think there's this weird stigma against um, unlikable female characters, so I, I just like mm -hmm. the idea of Garfield just being really um, self-centered and kind of self-absorbed, and um, yeah, I definitely want to see... Or maybe he doesn't even have to change his gender. He, he could still be Garfield, but also just have these, like, cartoonishly feminized features from hmm. the time, like really red lipstick or false eyelashes. It's funny now that you mention it in that maybe it's because the syndicated newspaper comic strip is like maybe on the wane and there's I think a sort of built-in conservatism Oh yeah, to absolutely. I, I can't really think of unlikable female leads in, in any daily comic strips. I mean maybe Kathy is halfway there but there's so much self-deprecation right. in, in the Kathy comic strip that it's a, it's kind of a different. Well, maybe Nine Chickweed Lane a little bit. Um, I, I I thought that was one of the better ones. I really loved Luann growing up, but yeah, I don't really know people who read Sunday comics anymore. Mm -hmm. So it'll be interesting to see what happens to that art form. Uh, well, that is question number ten. Is there anything coming up? we can expect from you anything that'll be appearing on the internet soon yeah i'm really excited that uh retrofit books retrofit big planet they're publishing my newest comic story it, it's called ikebana it, it's a 40 page black and white story about a um japanese american college student who does a performance art piece for her senior thesis project at her art school and the comic basically shows the whole performance from beginning to end. Awesome. Is that coming out later this year? Yeah, uh, it'll be debuting at SPX in September, and I also have a, a third a third published book that'll be coming out uh, through, through my other publisher, 
that published my first two books. Um, it's it's going to be an extended book version of my uh, two meditation mini comics. There is no right way to meditate, and a special message for you, hand delivered to you from the universe. So uh, the the collection of meditation comics will be called "There Is No Right Way to Meditate." So. It's all comics about meditation and mindfulness. Awesome. I want to. That makes me want to ask a question. Number eleven, if I may. Oh yeah. Uh, have you found in drawing about meditation or or just in meditating that it struck you as is especially good subject matter for a comic, or, or do you think it, in even larger terms, meditating has helped you as an artist, helped your process? Oh yeah, um, definitely yes to both. I, I feel like with uh, meditation, it, because it's such an abstract concept, I, I really enjoy breaking it down in um, visual terms. That that makes meditation less intimidating for people who want to do meditation for the first time. It it, it helps. I like that it, it helps. Uh, inspire people to uh, try meditation or even think about it in different terms and I feel like it also articulates to myself why I, why I need meditation and mm-hmm. I think as an artist um, I, I can't recommend it enough to um, everybody uh, especially artists uh, it, it, I think having a, a clear mindful state of mind is so important for, for any creative person so it's it's a practice that I feel like Change my life and continues to change my life and um yeah i want more people to meditate awesome well we can end on that thank you so much thank you